and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Amanda Stroni is a yoga and meditation teacher and works directly with yoga teachers, healers, and spiritual creatives to create financial freedom in their businesses. She spent over 12 years working in financial services and also has a background in education. Because the idea of financial accountability and a profitable future can be overwhelming, Amanda helps her clients understand both sides of the business and helps bridge this gap on the path to achieving holistic success. She is committed to help grow the collective success of all through conversation and community. Amanda is the host of her own podcast, Untapped Power, Insights and Wisdom for Collective Transformation in the Yoga Community. She works one-on-one with clients, hosts workshops, and has a free online community to serve yoga teachers around the world. Amanda Stroni, what a pleasure it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you, Casey. I am so excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Really excited for this conversation. Oh, such an honor. Um, I, I have, before we get going and rolling into all this, I have to ask you, how is Hawaii right now? It's amazing. Yeah, I recently transitioned uh, to living in Kauai, and I've been here a couple times before. So this is my third venture, and this wow. hopefully is more permanent. Um, and and it's interesting you bring that up because uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I didn't realize how important your geography is. You know, I grew up in the East Coast and just always was like, oh, I'll be in the East Coast because my family's there. And then realized like it just wasn't fitting me. It wasn't aligning with me internally. Um, so it, it caused me to to think about that and give it perspective. And in transitions that I've done and making moves, this has been really like the the best move I've made from my own mental, physical well-being standpoint. Wow. So I'm really happy about that. That's great. No, I think you're right. I think it's such a great point. We're so fortunate. We live on the outskirts of Salt Lake City in the suburbs, and we're just mm. enamored with our neighborhood. And when the pandemic happened and we had more time to walk around the neighborhood, get to know the lake a little bit better and all the ducks and birds, and it, it does make such a huge difference. And it, it's interesting. I would I would definitely say like my need or desire to travel has really reduced in the last years. I've really gotten to appreciate this one place. Have you found that to be the same thing? Yes, I, that is amazing. Yeah, and I love Salt Lake. I actually stopped there on my way through here for the first time. I have a, a good friend there and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful place as well. But I have found that, that it's just, I feel really centered and grounded in this space. And for me, the outdoor, having so much available outside all the time um, really nourishes me. You know, nourishes my body, my mind, my spiritual practice. Um, it just all feels tuned up, which is a really amazing feeling uh, for anyone listening that's been in that space of really feeling aligned within themselves in all aspects, right? Physical, mental, spiritual, right? When everything lines up, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. Very well said. And just for the listener, Amanda does not know what she's talking about. Salt Lake City sucks. Don't come here. Go to Denver, <laughs> as always. Terrible place. You'll hate it. <laughs> um, and is it true that Kauai is like one of the most chill islands of all the main like tourist destinations? It, it's interesting. You know, it's the smallest. It's the smallest island. So it, I think it, it does have heavy volumes of tourism for sure, but it's not as uh, commercialized. So not as much here. You know, it's limited and that gives you perspective. I like that feeling, although challenging at times, you know, to be looking for certain things and to not have it and to say, okay, well, I can't get it anywhere. Um, We're on the mainland. That's not an issue in our country and most places. So um, it just, it gives me perspective. It gives me pause to say, what do I actually need versus what do I just feel like I can go and get because it's there and it's available. 
Um, and to realize that it's okay that I don't have it, you know, I'll still survive the things that I do have. Um, but I like it. I like the, the fact that it's not as built up and that there's, there's not as many people and you can be in a lot of remote spots by yourself, you know, and, and not have people come by. Oh, it sounds beautiful. I remember visiting Maui, this is probably 20 years ago, and just realizing like they don't run on clocks the way that we do. I remember we signed up for some like parasailing something and we were like, hey, well, what time does the boat leave? They were like, well, just like when you get here, like we could go in the morning or like the afternoon. Like <laughs> the, like buses were always late, like 15 or 20 minutes late. Like it's just a totally yeah. different environment and totally different vibe than here in the mainland. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I like it. That's awesome. Well, we're super happy for you. I'm super excited to hear your story today. Um, before we deep dive into that, I really want to ask you, in your opinion, can you truly have health and fitness without having financial well-being? Can yeah, that's a great question. I believe that you you can't you can't because they're tied together. They are so closely intertwined. And when you say financial well-being, I guess I want to dive into that term a little bit because I think that's subjective to each individual person. So just like physical health and mental health is subjective as well, I think it's finding that balance for yourself. And I believe when one is off balance, then you can't really feel that center of alignment within yourself. And for a lot of us with the financial piece, it's something that we don't talk about. It's really taboo. It's almost like, oh, I have, if I have all this debt or I have you know, not enough money, I just sort of ignore it and pretend that the other pieces will bring me back into alignment, the physical, the mental, but the financial pieces is, is a relationship as well. And it's really important. And I think it's coming into terms with what your relationship to it is. And part of that is how much money you desire for yourself, asking yourself those real questions in the lifestyle that I want to live and the things that I want to do out in the world how much money do I need? What's it going to take for me to get there? What, what is my end goal here? Where am I going versus just having an idea that could be someone else's, right? So we hear people all the time, like six figures, get to six figures. Well, not everyone needs six figures to live a life of purpose and on point for themselves. Mm. So I think it's worth looking into for yourself to understand what that means to you. But I do believe that having financial well-being, just like mental and physical is important. Everything ties together. And we live in a world where money is our currency. So understanding your relationship to it is something that, that is needed over the course of your life in your relationships with other people, in the work that you do and how you value yourself and the value you place on it. And really what, what type of life you want to live in this world. Mm. Wow. Okay. So offline, before we got started, I told you that I've, I've reached out to several financial people to be on this show and have gotten turned down every single time with usually the same reason. Like, well, your show is about health and fitness. That doesn't really have anything to do with finances. And it was really frustrating right. until you just answered that question. And I realized this all happened for exactly the right reason. We are talking to exactly the right person. And I'm so grateful that they turned me down and that you were able to be on our show with us. You've already used the word yeah. enough. We which is like an E-word for me. Like I never understand when is any of my effort enough? When is it enough money or enough time or working on the business? Mm. And it's it's a really challenging question. And I, again, I just think you're going to be the perfect person to talk to about all of this. So this is great. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's interesting you bring that up with the enough piece, because I think a lot of us are struggling with that. It's the the idea that you're chasing your own tail. 
right? You're chasing, you don't know what you're chasing. So you can be working four or five, six jobs and keep getting more money. What happens when we keep getting more money? We keep spending more money. Mm. Do we know where we're spending it? Not necessarily, you know, and then we're saying, oh, I still need more money. Oh, there's never enough. You know, I have a number of clients like that, a number of friends like that, where we have these conversations and I just point blank say to them, when is it going to be enough for you? What Mm. is your number? What's enough? And they don't know. So it's taking that step back for yourself and saying, if I knew that, then I'd have a clear step forward so that I'm not doing everything and anything because I don't actually need to, right? I don't actually need that. I can be comfortable or in a space of comfort that is my space of comfort with what I have available. And I don't have to actually be doing that. Mm-hmm. So it, it creates a it creates a boundary of what we say yes to, which I think is a pro. Uh, and then another thing that comes up in the health and wellness field and the fitness and yoga is that there's a tendency to go overboard and say yes all the time for fear of not having enough, right? That reverse. And you probably notice that in the, in the work that you do, right? Like I have to say yes to everyone. Yeah. I have to get as many clients as I can. Yep. Yep. Always, always just more, whatever the number is today, it just has to be more tomorrow without ever doing what you said, like stopping and really evaluating what you want in your life. And I mean, if that was, that had to be the greatest gift of the pandemic was this like, you know, stop button, slow down button. What do you want button where people could have stopped and, you know, really decided to be a lot more mindful about what they want and what they need. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I would love to go back and hear your story. You said you grew up on the East coast. What was that like? Yeah, I grew up on the East Coast um, in a, a suburbs of Boston, about 45 minutes from the city. Um, and I went to school in Boston, went to college in Boston, and then I, I moved away from Boston to, to Florida and I taught high school. So my degree was in education and I spent some time teaching high school. And I, I'm that weird person that loves to work with teenagers. I oh, find them so interesting. Brave. Most people find them very <laughs> annoying, but brave. I really do love the space that they're in, the uh, the curiosity, and I, I do believe that 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 children in that space, um, when they have someone that sees them for who they are and just takes a moment to pause, it can change their life. It really can, and it's a reminder, you know, that we can all do that with everyone. Um, but yeah, so I taught high school for for three years, and then I came back to Boston, to the city of Boston, and and worked for John Hancock Financial Services for um, about twelve years. So I was there. Um, in the corporate field. And, and I thought for me, I was in that, that treading that we were just speaking of where it was like the next promotion, the next title, more money. That was my whole driver. And, and at every point in that next step, I realized I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. There was something missing. Like it didn't matter. So I saw myself almost getting to that place, you know, where I was making whatever amount of money, you know, and had this big title. And I could tell people that I had that title and, I also saw myself still feeling the same way I'm feeling. Mm. And that to me was this moment of what am I doing? Like, this is not what I, what I want to do. Like this, this life is so really so short and to be wasting this time doing something that isn't fulfilling me in the ways that I want, like, how can I step and do something different? Um, and so I had a series of personal life um, <clears throat> things that shifted in my world, a, a relationship ending and a moving back and a transitioning. And then I started practicing yoga. I had been practicing yoga my whole life, but started getting more into it. I was always into fitness. And then I um, went on my first yoga retreat. And that was really the, the moment that I realized just that my eyes opened up to a different subset of people. 
I think people that were more aligned in the way that, that I was looking to see the world and, and looking to have these more in-depth conversations and understanding of myself, my own self-awareness is really where that journey began. And then I came back and did my yoga teacher training. Um, and then within that year, I just, I quit my job. I didn't have anything. I just knew that it was time I had, I had, you know, financially I had set myself up pretty well. Um, and I had known that piece of it, but I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I left and I came to Kauai where I am today. Um, I had a one-way ticket and I was here for a couple months. And then I traveled really around the world, um, through Bali for a little bit and, and came back around and did some work here and there in Europe uh, for a teacher, for a yoga teacher. And then I finally came into the idea and in my observation of yoga teachers and how they have this passion for teaching and wanting to get the practices out there. And the business side was just, they were just so lost. Like it's like taking all these classes, burning themselves out, not charging money, giving stuff away for free. And I just realized how that wasn't an issue for me, how I felt really aligned in that, that area, how it was like, I knew that I needed to ask for money. I knew that I needed to charge my worth. I knew I could see how the business side of it, how I could grow things. And from my experience, I think in my own life and also growing up with a, with a mother that was really driven in the business world as well. And I felt, um, I felt like I could give people that, that get the thing that was unique for me, that I could see both sides because for people in the healing space, going to like a financial advisor is very intimidating because I don't think that they see the person as a whole person. They see them as like, okay, this is what you need to do. And that's overwhelming for someone that doesn't really understand any of that stuff, any of that language, anything around money. So I was able to give people that, um, that approach that was more holistic from both sides. I could see them spiritually and I could see that you know, the business piece of what they needed to do to take it to the next level. So that's where I crafted my own business and, and what I'm doing today, working with clients individually. And, and the podcast now has come as a, as a, um, like a subset of that, where I've just really enjoyed talking to yoga teachers and understanding what their challenges are and having these honest conversations. Cause I think the world, you know, social media and the world that we live in, there's, we're lacking integrity in a lot of fronts and we don't really know what's true and what's not true for people. Um, and so especially in the health and wellness and yoga industry, it looks like people are really successful quote unquote, or making a lot of money. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And so just putting an honest look at that and being really clear about, but what, what's really happening behind, behind the curtain a little bit and, and what could be done to, to make it more normalized than it is. Cause I feel like it's, it's gotten very, um, superficial in my mind. So, so yeah, that's a little, uh, rundown of, of where I'm at and where, where I started, I guess. Wow. That's amazing. I think a lot of people today would say that their financial, you know, baggage or issues or whatever you want to call it came from their parents and the way their parents mm. behaved. Did, it doesn't really sound like that was the case with you. Is that correct? Yeah. And I agree with you, Casey, that that is a, something to consider when I work with people. It's like examining your relationship growing up is really important. It's, it's important to understand where, what the conversations were around money when you were growing up, because that is part of the stories that are ingrained within you, mm. right? As we know, those things, those patterns get ingrained. And over time, we bring those into current relationships. And for me, 
you know, it started with my grandmother, you know, who was really savvy with her money and always reminded me, you know, you got to take care of yourself, your independence and, and, and be really supportive of yourself. And my parents were really conscious. You know, I remember having uh, my own bank account when I think I was like 12 years old and having a paper route when I started and my different jobs. And I'd always save my money. And, and another thing my parents always ingrained in me was that, you know, if you have a credit card, you pay it off. You should never be charging more than you can afford to pay. And that was something that, again, always stuck with me, whereas that's a big thing with people spending more than they have. Um, and just living by your means, I think, is, is a big thing that I learned growing up is that, you know, you can you can live with what you have. And if you don't have it, then you don't need it, essentially. Um so yes, I think it's important to look at that, but I also think it's important when looking at that to not to not get in the place where you attach yourself to that story and stay there as a victim. And that's really crucial because it's a tendency that we have is to notice this is how my parents were, right? So this is how I am and that's just the way it is. And that's how I show up. And I, I just don't have a good relationship with money, right? I hear that all the time. It's just, just what it is. The question becomes, do you want to change it? Yeah. Right. Do you actually want to do something about it? Because your parents did the best with what they had available at the time, tools, financial means, whatever the case may be. And so it's up to you to take control of that. And if you want to have a different relationship with your money, then you choose that. And that's how you show up with all the people around you as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's the difference between fault and responsibility, right? Like it, it might not be your fault that some software program was downloaded into you when you were a child that you weren't exactly aware of as a kid, but now it's your responsibility to start to face those things and, and be more conscious about them. Right. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And responsibility is crucial. It's, it's having that personal integrity within yourself. It's you're answering to you. Right. Because we know that we can have credit cards and we can have debt and you can still live. You can still live in the world. Right. No one really you, you can do all these things and have all this debt. But I do believe that you have this burden behind you. Right. It's weighing you down. That's going back to your initial question of does it affect you mentally, physically? It's like something's on your back. It's heavy. It's weighing you down. And no matter if you keep telling yourself, oh, I'm going to pay it off or I'm going to pay it off, or I'm going to do this, it's still there and it's still present. Mm. And it comes up all the time and it allows for you to tap into this dialogue over and over again that you say, oh, I can't afford that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't have enough money for that. And those are the, the, the questions that I ask people to observe within their own mind, because that dialogue for a lot of people is really strong. Right. You notice yourself telling yourself over and over again, like, oh, I'm not good enough for that, or I can't afford that, versus what I talked about in the beginning, evaluating what amount of money you really desire and how you want to get there for yourself. So it's it's important to identify your values. What is important to me? Mm. Why do I what do I want in my life? And where where does that equate to how much money that's going to cost or what that looks like for me? Mm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point and time well spent to sit down and be really mindful and conscious of those things. What is it What is it about this kind of area of health and fitness that we have such a stigma around money? Why is it like yoga teachers and people who do energy work that seem to have a difficult time, you know, embracing that we live in a capitalist society and we need money to, you know, exchange products and services? Yeah, I think, I mean, what I've seen is that it's, it's, 
the practices that people are very giving of these gifts, people that are in these fields of energy work, yoga, healing, I believe really care about people really want to see people get healthy. That, that, that is an innate desire. I don't think you can be in this industry and not really care. You know, I think at the, at the core of it, in the heart, in the soul, it's like, I really care about people. I want to help people. And so in turn, it's, it's just innate to be like, let me give it for free, right? Let me help my friend, right? This, and then everyone becomes a friend. That's the thing I see in this industry too. It's like, well, I give it to my friends for free, but everyone somehow becomes a friend, right? And then I'm not able to charge anyone. So it's coming back into that place of having value for the self. So I think that's one component of it is that the desire to help overrides the desire to charge for a lot of people. And I think it's also that combination of just having, you know, confidence within yourself, true confidence within yourself. I just talked about this on an episode I air or will be coming up on my show that that true confidence within yourself is understanding what I just mentioned, your values and who you are within yourself and seeing other people in that same way. And so that, that desire and knowing that within yourself is going to say, okay, I'm going to charge for this service because I need to support myself. And I believe that my service is worth charging for because I'm offering something that's actually helping someone, right? It's not a material thing. I think that's another piece of it is that in our world, material things are easier for people to grasp in their mind with their thoughts to understand, okay, I'm going to buy a TV. That's a thing I'm going to have. It's going to be in my house. I paid this much money for it. If I'm getting an energy treatment or a yoga class, it's like, how do I, how do I see that that's having an effect on my life? Well, that's a little more challenging if you're not self-aware. It's going to take some time for you to see those changes. Same thing in the health industry, right? If I'm personal training with someone, I'm not going to see results day one. I'm not going to have that that like TV right in front of my face. It's going to take time. Mm. Wow. So what are some practical tips for somebody who is trying to decide what their true value is and how much they need to be charging people? Yeah. Some tips for determining what their true value is, is to, I think really sit down. I would, I would encourage people to sit down with themselves and write down what they value for themselves. And then within that list, write down what you're currently doing and what you would like to be doing. So there could be some areas where you're placing value on something that actually isn't valuable, mm. right? So that so that that's a that's a way to evaluate where you are right now. Um, and if you're not charging, an exercise I really always encourage people is to sit down with with the question of what is my relationship to money, right? What is my relationship to money, and just see what comes up for you. Like, is it all the so- stories you can start to write down from your past? where you haven't charged or where you would like to charge, but you haven't charged and just get a sense of where you are so that you can move forward into where you want to be without bringing those things with you. So a lot of the time, I think we want to jump into what we want. We want to move ourselves forward without understanding where we currently are. And that can be really hard for people because if we don't take the time to understand where we are right now and to understand what is sometimes subconsciously brewing in the mind and in the body, then we'll move ourselves forward and we'll still have that with us. So it's taking the time to go through those exercises of what are my values again, and then moving into what's my relationship to money, 
Mm. Where is all this stem from? What are the thoughts that I continually have around money? Just in the course of a week, I, I do this exercise with people. Every time you spend money, think about how you feel, right? Every time you run that credit card or every time you have a bill come in, how do you feel? What, what goes through your mind? What are some thoughts that you have? Or when you look at your bank account or you don't look at your bank account, right? What are some thoughts that you have? And just journal and log that and keep, keep that cycle and keep a cycle of where you're spending money, why you're spending money so that you can get that awareness for yourself. Mm. And just a week is going to give you a plenty of awareness to see your patterns. Mm. That's very well said. That's not the first time I've heard that advice. I heard that, you know, basically years ago, I needed to sit down and really be mindful about what I wanted my life to look like. So why was it so much easier for me not to do that, not take that advice, be really mindful until it was a pandemic. Like I worked a very high stress, hundred percent commission job for years and years and years because I couldn't sit down and ask myself what I truly wanted. Why do we avoid it so much? Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. It's we avoid the self, which is interesting. You know, the one relationship that, that is with us for our lifetime, we're so um, afraid to be with, I think, you know, we're afraid to be with ourselves. And that's the practice of meditation. That's the practice of understanding the self. And that's not easy. And what's always been interesting and fascinating to me is it's the one thing that we actually don't have to pay money for right? We can understand ourselves. We can spend time with ourselves. We can breathe with ourselves and it's no cost. And yet we can do all these other things to distract ourselves. Mm. The external world and the world we live in gives us plenty to take us away from ourselves. And that's what, you know, our, our culture has brought us to this place where there's so many distractions, right? You really never have to be alone. If you have a device or you have some type of technology, you're never really alone. So, I think what's happened in our world is just that effect of it's too much and you need to come back to the self and be with the self. And it takes a combination of choosing that for you, right? I think all of us need to come to that place for ourselves when we're ready. So to your point, you may not have been ready at that time. And I think it's important to have compassion for the space that you were in to say, hey, I wasn't ready and I needed to learn and something caused me to stop. And for most of us, that can be, right, an illness, something happens, we're moving too quickly, right? Something causes us to stop most of the time because we can't stop within ourselves because we're so addicted to the external, to what's out there. And that's, again, the piece about the financials is people are addicted to that idea of six figures or making a lot of money without understanding themselves enough to know what their relationship to money actually is because that could, you could get there and still not be happy. Right. We see that all the time. So why is that? Right. That's the question. It's a million dollar question that people have. Why, why do people that have a lot of money, they're still not happy. And we know the answer. Yeah, totally. It's just more stuff. Generally speaking, it's just people right. going out and getting more stuff. The, that right. the, the stuff is, you know, something you have to store. You have to worry about it now. You may have to get it repaired from time to time. You might have to insure it. You, it's like the burden you talked about earlier. You're just carrying more crap around with you, and that's taking some of your life force with you. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And I, but I do believe that we're seeing a shift, you know, in what you spoke about with the pandemic and things that are shifting in the world, people are reevaluating. People are seeing that it was that important, 
is having all that important or what's really important is the time that I can spend with people, right? And time that I am alone and forced to be alone. What does that feel like? So I think that, you know, people are shifting healing and energy work and yoga and physical movement and mental health. All of that is rising up. And before, you know, we saw more of this, this drive to just continue to push and push and push. And ultimately um, we're being stopped. We're being stopped and we're still trying to push, right? We're still trying to push, even though we're being stopped. Um, And that will take time. But I think, I think everyone has that within themselves to, to go back to your question. Everyone has that at their core, right? The desire to want peace and contentment, to not want suffering. I do believe that. Um, but getting there, that's, you know, our own path, right? We're all on it. We're just at different places in the path mm. and we're going to, you know, we'll get there when we get there. And so I really encourage people not to ever look at someone else's path as they're further along, right? Because they're where they are on their path. Mm. And so we can't get into that comparison trap of thinking, oh, if I had just done this, right, then I would be further along by now, right? Mm. If I had just started my business 10 years ago, I could be here by now, right? Because it, it's it's just where you are on your path. Mm. I love that. One of my favorite phrases in the Winnie the Pooh books is about the, um, the stream that, that, you know, transforms into a river. And once it transforms into a river, it, it slows down because it's, it knows it's going to get to its destination at, eventually. So it doesn't need to hurry up and rush right. like it did when it was much younger. Um, I really love that. I, I love the way that you explain that. I, I want to talk to you about something that we mentioned in the introduction. You are not necessarily trying to go out and beat your competition. You're not, you're not, competing with other people, you want everybody, all of us to succeed. And it's, it's more of a creation. Can you talk about the difference between creating and competing? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I I absolutely love that, that question and this topic, because I I feel like it is the key, the, uh, you know, my, my show untapped power, it's the untapped power within us to really come together is this collective collaboration where we raise other people up because we're all individuals with unique skill sets. And so when we compete with one another, we try to become someone else. We try to become what they are or better than them. Instead of walking into conversations or situations and saying, what can you offer? And what can I offer? And how can we bring that together? And so in an industry such as yoga, I interview a number of yoga teachers and even people that are doing yoga business work such as I'm doing. And it's interesting because I think there's a place for everyone. Everyone's voice is a little bit different. So I can say something and Casey, you could say the same exact thing and it could resonate with someone very differently. They could say they could not hear it from me, but they could hear it from you. And I think that's beautiful. I think we need to be open to this idea that we can all come together versus looking at people as competition, as I got to be better than this person, right? I'm here to offer a service and there's going to be a ton of other people that are offering the same service, but they're not me. So as I tell people all the time that I work with as yoga teachers, because, you know, there's so many yoga teachers, right? There's so many people in the health industry, but they're not you. And I don't believe that we need to develop this, you know, such unique niche that, 
we're so different and we're coming up with the most creative message and it's very different than everyone else. I think we can have similar messages and similar words. It's still going to be different because it's you and to promote other people and to share what other people are doing that is going to come back to you as well. So be mindful of that. I know for me, coming from the corporate world, that was really a place I was stuck in because my whole mindset in in the corporate structure was get ahead, beat someone else out, like do better than this person so I can prove myself. And then I took that into the yoga space and realized I was I was going around being like, well, my teaching's better than this person. I should be working with this person. Why are they working with that person? And now I'm in a space of, of having a little more ease around it, of understanding the clients I work with. And I have clients I work with that I refer to other coaches or that they, I know they need more support. So I'll say, you know, do this program with this person that I've done with, and you will get a lot of benefit from it. I really do from the work that we've done together, knowing that they're not probably going to work with me anymore. They're going to move over here. And that's okay because someone else will come in. So I think it's it's really important to be mindful of that and to step away from this idea that we need to be in constant competition with each other because it creates all this judgment and comparison and these areas that keep us actually contracted and restricted. Mm, wow. That is so well explained. I absolutely love that. I'm really curious, how, how do you look at the word value and how do you um, ensure that what you are providing for people is providing a great value for the price. Yeah. So value is an interesting word because I think it, it really relates to who, what you personally value, right? So someone is going to pay a lot. People pay a lot of money for different things based on what they value. Um, and so to know for yourself, what your value is, is important for you to sit down and say, what am I offering to someone, right? What am I offering as a service? And what do I feel like is an appropriate charge? And that has to be a conversation that you have with yourself to understand it. And part of that conversation of understanding the charge is to go back and look at what I spoke about before, how much money do I need, right? If I know how much money roughly that I need to live that content life that I'm looking for, I can back end myself into it and say, okay, well, then I need this many clients or I need to do this. I need to teach this many classes. What would be an appropriate rate based on those number of classes and sort of figure that out in my mind. And then also check in with myself to say, does this feel like the right number to me? Not when I look out and I see what other people are doing, but I I also do think it's important to look at the market around you and to understand what the going rates are, what the charges are, so that you're working in alignment with that because you don't want to be completely under the market and you don't want to be completely way over the market. You want to be in that middle ground so that you can understand based on your experience and the work that you do, this is what I'm charging. And you and when people ask you that question, you should be able to explain it. That's what I think is really key in this conversation is value when someone comes up to you and says, "Well, why are you charging, you know, $125 for a private session?" And you can be able to explain, this is why I charge this amount of money. This is what I'm offering you. These are the benefits. You know, this this is why I offer this much money. And you leave it at that. You don't need to apologize for it. You know, if someone doesn't want to work with you, you don't then go back and say, oh, well, maybe I should, if I charge less, they would have worked with me. Those are the little traps I think that we get into when we doubt ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because one person will say something and it will go against what we believe to be true for ourselves. So it's important to stay the course 
to stay the course and stay in your own lane. Not everyone is going to be for you. Mm -hmm. If someone says, you know, this isn't, this is too much money. You, what I, what I like to do is ask questions. Oh, why do you feel that's too much money for you? And you get an idea of that person's story. That's the most interesting part, because what I've come to realize is it's never really that it's too much money, but what I do understand is what they value, what Mm. they find important, why they're not willing to pay the money for this service, but they may be able to, but they will be willing to go out to dinner and spend $150. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's just, it seems to always come back to the same thing. It's just mindfulness. It's that taking the time to sit down and decide what you really want with your life and take a step in that direction. And again, for us, it was like the pandemic that that was the only thing that was going to stop me forcefully enough, get me unemployed and, and looking at like, okay, how much money do I actually truly need to not have to cancel Netflix? Like to have the same normal life that I, that I have. And I found that number to be far far less than what I originally assumed. And I started to learn that there is a very fair trade between money and time. And sometimes you want more money and other times you want more time. It's such a gift. Absolutely. I love that too. It's like thinking about what you value is so critical. And I I love that you said that, that you realized you needed less. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. That's why I ask people to really stop and do this. If you're listening, because you'll realize that you maybe don't need as much as you thought you did, right? There's this idea that we're always getting more. And when we sit down and say, what do I actually want to do, right? I want the time to be able to to be outside or be with my family or be with my children or, or do things that bring me joy that don't cost anything. But I just want the time and the space to do it without feeling like I'm physically exhausted, without feeling like I'm not present to the situation, right? There's there's, that's what I think people are craving mm. is really being in touch with themselves because we can do all these things and check the box, but there's a difference between being present to your life that you're living mm. and in, and in feeling in tune with yourself, because that's different than just saying, okay, I'm going to go on a hike, but I'm actually going to be thinking about all the things that I need to do. And then I'm going to be checking my phone and then I'm going to be, you know, doing all these things. But to be really present in your environment and to be conscious of the things that you're doing, that's a different way of living. Mm. Wow. Well, um, I don't know what it's like around you, but around me, it's absolutely just bananas that people will go on hikes and they'll bring Bluetooth speakers and blast them as they're walking around in the woods. It's like, why the hell are you up here? You just want to right. listen to loud music. They're absolutely yeah. not present at all. Um, yeah, yeah, it's an observation. I mean, if you see, I mean, it, I think our, our society and culture, it's, it's interesting to me. You know, I sit in the space of just observing, you know, seeing people and observing and in and, and one side holding compassion because mm. everyone doesn't have all the tools and, and we really truly are doing the best that we can. Some people aren't ready to receive that. Some people just aren't there. And so when we can hold space for them and still see them as human, as a human being and take the time to just acknowledge them without this judgment, right? To see them and maybe make eye contact and say, hey, hey how's your day going, right? Or engage in conversation. It, it, you'd be surprised at the impact that it can make to just to just take a moment because I, I feel like we live in this space of judgment so much, right? Of putting people into categories or just assuming, oh, that person's so unaware, like I'm so much more aware, right? And this comparison trap of like, 
I'm more mindful. I do meditation. They don't, you know, instead of offering, um, that, that space of really, I am you and you are me, right. There's no real difference here the way I see it. And people, again, they're on their path and, and they need that compassion more than ever. Now, more than ever, I believe they need that compassion. Mm. Wow. I totally do that. Just because I have a meditation practice, I will totally catch myself, you know, walking around saying, Oh, I'm so, I'm so woke. <laughs> you know? Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, and I, and I do too, right. It's like, we all do, we're all human. And so it's, it's, it's coming into that space and just recognizing it, mm. right. There's no, you know, people, people need it, um, need the support so that they can get there. Mm, I love that. You are probably acutely aware of this since you just moved, but we were just talking about stuff and adding stuff versus, you know, not going out and buying more stuff. What about the art of like minimalism and getting rid of things? Like we have been, I, I, every single day I've gotten rid of something that I thought I wanted or needed. One day I looked in my cupboard, I had like a dozen pint glasses and it's like, I, there's not a dozen of me. Like I could never use all of these. And I find, I find that there's been so much joy and, and freedom and not only donating or selling things, but also not trying to decide which cup I want to drink out of. It's just, there's cup. And when I want to wear a hat, it's like you, that that's your hat. You just wear the one hat and replace it when you need to. I'm curious again, especially with moving, have you, um, had any experience getting rid of stuff and experiencing that type of freedom as well? Yeah, it's interesting. For me, I've always been fairly minimal and I think that comes from my childhood. My 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 mother was very minimal. Uh we didn't have like all the stuff, you know, she was not a clutter like didn't like clutter. And so I've always had that mentality, but I've gone through phases where I've had more material things that I've wanted based on the lifestyle I was living and I now in my life I'm very minimal. I have one bag of I can put all my clothes in one bag. Um, and that's all I have. Um, and I'm okay with it. And you realize that you don't need all this stuff. And it really goes back to what I talked about with the burden of money holding on your back. Stuff is another thing that holds you back, right? It's like, I have all this stuff and I just have it and it's always there. And it, it, it prevents you from moving forward, from having that idea of freedom that we really don't need that much. We think we do and we keep accumulating things. And pretty soon the things are what hold us back, mm -hmm. right? The things are what we're like, oh, I can't leave this place because I need this. I need this in order to, to feel a certain way. And that's really not true. The more that you move, the more that you change up your environment and your routine, the more you're faced with uncomfortability and uncertainty. And you realize that you can make do with very minimal. And I think that's part of it. If we sit in an environment for a long period of time, we accumulate things and we accumulate things and we get more and more comfortable and we realize, and we just don't even think about it. Mm. And then if we want to change, it becomes heavier upon us. How can I do that? I don't have this. I don't have that. I have all these things. So as we start to clean, and I love what you brought up, it's like day by, that's a beautiful practice day by day, instead of making it a huge endeavor Every day I'm going to go through and say, do I actually need this? I mean, the way I look at clothes for me, anytime that I buy something, I'm, it's because I'm getting rid of something else. Mm. I don't, I, you know, I've used that thing for, you know, two, three years and I'm like, okay, I need to get a new pair of shorts. I've worn these shorts for this long or, or pair of pants and I'm going to get new ones, mm. but I don't need to have, you know, multiple versions of that all at once. 
right? Like you said, like we only drink out of one cup, yet we want to have, you know, 15 in case we have 15 people come over, which never happens, right? <laughs> like it's like, it's, it's the funniest thing. It's like, in case we have this and we never have it, you no, know, we funny. never have it. And if we did, Right. And that goes back to the, the piece you brought up about collaboration. Like how beautiful would it be if we did, if we could share resources, right? If we did for that one time, I could go to a neighbor or someone and say, Hey, can I borrow 15 plates? Cause I have 15 people coming over for one time. Right. And then, you know, you know, that, that, that to me would be a, a beautiful thing because we, we hoard all these things for that one time, right. That one occasion. <laughs> and then we have them all. And and it can become a status thing to prove to people, you know, what we have, totally, what we can show for ourselves. Totally. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic has shown me that I am way more introverted than I thought. So the thought of having 15 of any, <laughs> any people yeah. in my house is like, ugh, gross. No, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You mentioned earlier, um, you know, the way that we all have unique voices and the way that we can tell a story that can impact people a little bit differently. And I'm curious to know if you experienced that the way that I did when we started our podcast, I just kind of felt like what, what could, what could we possibly create that hasn't already been created or said or said by somebody a lot smarter with a much better voice or any of that stuff. And it really held me back from pushing record for the first time. I'm wondering if you experienced any of that resistance yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if I'm honest, I did too. You know, it's like there, you feel like everything's been done, right? And and so who am I to be doing something? Who am I to be starting a podcast? To your point, like there's so many podcasts that podcasting is like the new thing now. And and who am I to be doing it? And so it takes you stepping into your own power, you know, to say that it's it's I am unique. I do have something to offer and really believing it for yourself. I think that that is the key factor that I've come into a space with is can I, I believe it for myself. I know within myself that I have something to give, whether it be to one person or a thousand people, I don't know yet. I don't know who's going to be impacted, the degree they're going to be impacted. But if I feel something within myself that I have something to say and I have something to offer, then I want, then I'm stepping into that place. And it's a, it's like anything, it's a practice. And I use the word practice over and over again, because for you, Casey, like that, you, the first time you did it. And then after that, it's like, oh, I do have something to say, right? We give ourselves that permission to understand that we do have this unique voice. We do have this unique gift. And once I step into that place, I'm able to just keep going, right? Mm -hmm. And keep, keep evolving, keep changing, keep understanding, oh, this is working, this isn't working. Um, but I think it's just taking that initial leap that obviously we all know is the hardest to do is putting yourself out there that initial time. And, and it's worth examining what's holding you back from doing that. Mm, very. So if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I really want to do that. But I, you know, what is that one thing that's holding you back? What it, what is it for you? And just identify it, at least identify it for yourself so that it's, it's there on the table and you can be with it and understand, okay, now how am I going to take the next steps to move past that? 
Very well said. I absolutely love that. Uh, we have another podcast that I just started with a really goofy name called the How to Make a Podcast podcast. <laughs> and Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we say on there. I mean, you and I both use Buzzsprout as our podcasting host, and they offer like a free 90-day thing. And you may decide after a few months that this wasn't for you or you didn't have a very strong why. And you can just, you know, use the free trial and not spend anything to see if you even like it. But the risk of not doing it would be far worse, in my opinion than at least getting started. Your podcast is fantastic, Untapped Power. Um, what's been your favorite part about podcasting so far? Yeah, thank you so much. And I appreciate you listening. My favorite part has been the conversations with guests. I really just love getting to know people and I love being able to share what other people are doing in this collaborative way. And it goes back to what you mentioned with me about the collaboration over competition. It's giving someone that ability and that space to speak their truth and to open up. Um, and, and a lot of people that I, a few people that I've interviewed, you know, are hesitant or they're like, I don't know if I have anything to say, right. I don't know if I'm good enough or I don't know. And then they do it and they hear themselves. And I think it gives them that, that little light of being like, wow, I do have something to say. You know, I do have something to say. I am important. And I love that. I love that, that collaboration and that, being able to just share with people in this medium. And I love listening to podcasts. You know, I'm always listening to different podcasts and I'll hear something and I, and I just write it down, you know, or I just have a moment and I'm like, yeah, I can really relate to that. And so I hope that, you know, my intention is that people are doing the same, you know, that they're listening as yoga teachers or people in the industry. And they're, they're thinking, oh, wow, that really resonates with me. Or I'd love to connect with that person because they're doing something similar. We could collaborate or I could use their services. And I've had that happen. And that really, you know, fills me up inside when people reach out and they're like, Hey, I reached out to this guest and I'm going to be working with them. And I'm like, great. Like, you know, that's really, um, my intention for doing it and, and for having the, the community that I have off the podcast as well, where we meet once a week and we just have centered topics and we dive into these issues. And I, and I just love building on that and having people come together in these conversations with intention. Mm, I love that. I, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask you to name your favorite episode, but just, I guess, first thing that comes to mind when, um, you know, you had a guest on, you asked a question that evoked such an interesting answer that it really, really impacted you and hit you hard while you were doing that interview. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh, cause I, I feel like a lot of guests have evoked some thoughts in me around, especially around, um, success. You know, we get into that a lot and what people define success as, and that has caused me to pause a lot and say, wow, people have all these different definitions or all these things tied into how they define success, right? All these little things that I didn't think about that, you know, stories or things that are coming up. And so it's given me, the podcast has really given me perspective into understanding also things that I thought to be true that aren't really true. You know, things that I thought people were doing that they weren't really doing. So a lot of that has been interesting to me. And I've also just been really um, blown away by people's level of honesty to come out and say, you know what, this was really hard for me. I didn't make a lot of money for two years. You know what I mean? Starting a studio isn't easy because I think a lot of that is sugar-coated. So I appreciate people's level of honesty because that is for me, you know, where I come from, this place of really being honest with people that like, I tell people all the time that even in my business, you know, it's not easy. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with my own challenges 
and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I'm working through this process with you beside you in that same way. And I'm willing to own that versus assume that, you know, I'm better than you and I've gotten here and you need to get here too. And that's really key in order to see people is to really come into that level playing field of not having a power dynamic. Mm. Okay. So perfect segue. What is your own personal definition of success? And part two, by that definition, would you call yourself successful? Yeah, thank you. I love this question. And I ask it actually to my guests. So my, my personal definition of success is inner contentment and alignment with my soul. And And I say that because those two things are so important to me, being able to have peace in my life, to be surrounded by um, people that value me and see me, and to have uh, financial means to be able to do the things that are important to me and that I value. Um, Beyond that, you know, I, I am always looking to give to others and to build other people up. So that's my definition of success is to just be in that space of real contentment within myself. Um, And so it's not external. It doesn't look like a number. It doesn't look like, um, you know, having certain things. It's It's a relationship with myself that has meaning to me and me alone, Um, not meaning that has been defined by others or by our culture. Um, And I do feel like I am getting there. I don't feel like I am always there because I'm the way I look at it, I feel like sometimes I'm in this battle between external and internal, um, living in the world and trying not to be pulled into all these areas. And, and, and I get caught up just, just like I'm sure a lot of people do in this idea of seeing others and being like, Oh, maybe I want that. Maybe I want this. And I have to rein myself back. I have to continue to practice this self-awareness to bring myself back to peace and contentment over and over again. And it's a practice. And I remind myself that that's it. That's, that's why I'm here and that's what I'm doing. And so, um, you know, my success, it's not defined by all the things I can get or the clients that I have or all of that. It's really for me defined by what I feel internally within myself in this space of, of real, true, true peace within Mm. the self. Wow. I'm so, so glad you chose that word. Was that a difficult state for you to find yourself in contentment? Um, I, I, I think I find myself feeling that a little bit more myself and I feel my ego wanting to, you know, start a bunch of shit, start some drama, you know what I mean? To kind of stir it up a little bit. Absolutely. Was that difficult for you as well? Absolutely. It's not easy. It's not easy. This, what I'm speaking of, don't, don't get me wrong and and think that I'm there, you know, that I've reached, you know, it's, 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 it's in waves, it's in periods. And that's why the practice of meditation, of being still, uh, whatever that means to you, creating stillness so that you can start to observe what's coming in for you. You can start to see the thoughts and not attach to the thoughts, right? You can start to see what's happening all these things that your ego is doing to create for you to feel safe, right? To feel protected, all the things that it does. And then to, to choose, right? I believe that our life is really a choice again and again. And so I want to choose a space of contentment and I can always come back to myself, even when things are challenging and they're difficult, or even when things come at me and they're unexpected. And that's a practice and that's a choice for me. And it is something that I've been doing, 
you know, pretty consistently, not pretty consistently, but consistently, you know, my meditation practice in the mornings um, for the last seven or eight years. And so over time, it's like anything, we build the muscle and then we start to see and feel differently within ourselves. And I think people give up and I get that because it's hard and and you don't see the changes quickly. It's not, again, it's not like the TV I can go out and buy and have in my house and see it. And it's like, it looks great. It's something that takes time and it's hard and it's challenging and it's going to, you're going to hit up against the ego over and over and over again. And it's, are you committed to understanding yourself at that level? Are you choosing to want to understand it? And I do believe that once you wake yourself up, even in the smallest degree, it's hard to go back to sleep. So Mm. we want to, because it's easier to be asleep, you know, to be numbing through certain ways and mechanisms that are available in our world. But once we've, we've even had that tiny glimpse of saying, oh, this is what that feels like. That's really what we're all looking for is that inner contentment. Mm. I believe it really is. We're not looking for any of these other things as much as we want to believe them to be but we really are looking for that inner contentment, that peace, that feeling of just, you know, being totally at peace with the self. I love that. It's the reason why you buy the TV and you'll be sick of it the next day versus, you know, doing that practice. Like you said, it is hard work. It does take time. And that's exactly why it has value. I mean, the easy things in life, there's no value there. You know, you'll get sick of the things you own. It it does take the work and and you'll realize very soon, just like, you know, if you're training for a marathon or something, the marathon comes and goes. The value of the experience was, you know, the Tuesday mornings at 530 when you didn't want to get up and run and it was raining outside, but you did anyway, you were building your character. And that's why the whole thing has value, not necessarily just that one day. Yeah. And there's no arrival, right? That's a piece that we have to continually remind ourselves is there is no arrival. You know, Mm -hmm. there's... We think that so many things are going to bring us to this place. And so when we're focused on the arrival, we miss out to your point on what is here right now, the present moment, right? This conversation, not what is next. And how many times can I truly be present to what is right in front of me in this moment? That is a hard practice, right? That is like the hardest practice that we're in. And yet that is the place that's going to bring us into that contentment and peace and joy. Right. Because in every moment when I am present, it's okay. Right. If I'm present, right, right now, breathing, right, I can remind myself that it's okay. But when I jump into the future, right, I'm anxious. When I jump into the past, I'm depressed. Right. We know those two things. So it's here and now, right? Mm -hmm. Here and now, can I be reminded of that I am here, that I am present, that this is what is. And and it takes, you know, that's why for me every morning before anything, it's like I sit down on that cushion for an hour and I am still because I know that those thoughts are running. They're running the moment I get up, right? I'm no different, you know, than anyone else. And how can I start to at least balance them, at least steady myself so that I can feel a sense of balance as I go out into my day, as I go out into do things and have interactions with people? Wow. 
I remember when Eckhart Tolle punched me right in the face with this phrase, um, there's no such thing as the past. It, it only happened in the present. There's no such thing as the future. It will only happen in the present. Like mind blown. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. So true. It's so true. And I'm really glad you brought that up. That's such a great piece of wisdom. This conversation has been absolutely amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for several hours. Um, I'm wondering if you could distill down one simple tip for the listener that you would like them to walk away from this conversation with. What would that one thing be? Yeah, thank you. I think the one thing would be to 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 sit down and ask yourself. I, I really want to go back. Like, what is your relationship to money? What's your relationship to money? What what does that what does that bring up for you? Sit with that question. It's a powerful question. You know, even even considering it as a relationship, and do that practice for yourself and see what comes up. See how how connected that financial relationship is to all your other relationships, right? How intertwined it all is because we're not one piece, right? Everything is connected. So, so take time to do that for yourself. Don't just, you know, think about it and say, oh, that's a really great question, but actually sit down and do it um, and see what arises for you. Be open to, to what could come up. Mm, I love that. Wonderful advice. Amanda Stroni, where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Yeah, thank you. Um, you can visit my website, which is amandastroni.com. Um, and then you, I also have for the podcast, it's untappedpower.net. And that is access to join our free community. Uh, so that gives you access to all recorded calls, some resources, um, and you can also uh, sign up if you're interested. I have a self-paced course called Developing a Spiritual Money Mindset, which explores sort of what I've talked about on the show here, those basic steps to get you in and understanding your relationship. And that is you do it on your own um, and you can get signed up at untappedpower.net and you'll have access to all that content. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to... Um, be connected with you in any of those ways or join the free community. If you are in the yoga community, a teacher, or even thinking about it, or just in the health space and your, you know, yoga is part of your life. So it's really open to anyone that may be on that path exploring. Those are the ways and certainly tune into the podcast. If you can untapped power, um, episodes released once a week. So thank you, Casey. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We will make sure all of that is linked up in the show notes. For the listener, I would highly encourage you to take Amanda up on her offer. Go to her website. There are so many amazing resources there. Some are free, some are paid, um, but there's a lot there that you can consider. Amanda, thank you so very much for all of your work and everything that you have learned in your life and for sharing that message with us. We are so grateful for you and the time you took to be on our show to teach us about finances and how to get right with those um, you know, difficult issues. So thank you so very much. We really appreciate you. And thank you for taking the time to be on our show today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Casey. I appreciate the work that you're doing and your podcast for sure. Um, so thank you also for, for showing up in the world, um, living out your purpose and being willing to be committed to your own self-awareness. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you are very welcome. And it's not going to end anytime soon because podcasting is just so fun, isn't it? <laughs> It is exactly. We'll be in it for a while, both of us. So it's, it's like, good. it's like, we never get any external downloads besides me downloading it. That will be just fine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Yep. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.